0: Hey Spotlighters, Mike Ham here, the coolest guy in title insurance and your host of the Morning Spotlight Podcast. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. We have a great guest that I know is going to absolutely blow you away. If you like what you hear, please smash that subscribe button and leave us a review. And remember, when it's time for you to purchase title insurance, there's only one guy you should be calling and that's me. Check the show notes for my email address and let's get this train rolling and start the show right now. Good morning and welcome to the Morning Spotlight Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Camp, coming to you as always from the Spotlight Studios here in Morristown, New Jersey. Our guest today is the owner of Open Spaces Capital, along with his wife. In three years since they started investing, they have built a $5 million rental portfolio. And now their passion is to coach other busy professionals on how to turn $25,000 into a multi-million dollar rental portfolio. They have coached over a hundred professionals to invest in real estate using our supercharged value and add investing strategy. Our guest today is Needy Jamdar. Nidhi, welcome.
1: Thank you so much, Mike. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Absolutely. So this is your, uh, we're, we're actually at the the larger PodMax event for those of you that are listening. Um, so this is going to be my second episode in a series of three. Uh, so this is my third time at PodMax, but this is your first time at PodMax, right, Needy?
1: Yes, this is my very first time.
0: So you're coming off, I mean, I, I'm sure that their episode is going to post uh, before. So you're coming off the biz bros who are friends of mine um, through PodMax. And I, like I said to you at the outset, I'm going to try to match the energy, but, you know, <laughs> I don't know if I necessarily can.
1: They set a really high bar on it. Really?
0: Yeah. I mean, first one of the day, like, I mean, that's a really tough act to follow. So hopefully I do do the second act justice and I don't kind of get lost in the shuffle, but I appreciate you coming on. I don't want to waste a lot of time. Uh, so let's just kind of get into it. Uh, yep. First question. Is it hard running a business with your wife? <laughs> <laughs> love it. Uh, well, you know, it's, uh,
1: she's it's, not, she's not listening. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> um, no, it, you know, it takes, it took a while. So, um, when we first got started, um, we were kind of, you know, just doing it together and then she quit her job first and then she kind of focused on real estate full-time. And then two or three later I followed two or three years later, I followed, um, there's, it has its moments, it has its challenges. Um, The good thing that I would say is that there's, um, there's some complementary skill sets. Like she's a very different person than I am, right? So she's like very, she's a, she's an engineer like in her previous um, life. So she's very, very uh, systems and processes and very um, organized and, you know, very uh, detail oriented. Whereas I come from a a strategy background. So um, I'm very like high level, um, you know, so I want to know everything that I'm going to do before I'm going to do it to even make sure it's a good thing to do. <laughs> so there's all these friction. But I think sometimes it's it's kind of, um, you know, we, we, we have our moments. But I think overall, it helps the business that we are coming from two different angles and you're two different people. It kind of balances it out a bit.
0: Right. All right. That was a really good answer. So I'm sure she'll be, she'll be happy with that. I'm sure. Politically so, correct. Yeah. Right. But so you weren't always involved in real estate and I'm really excited to kind of talk about all this because as I mentioned before um, you know, like, I think that you are like the perfect guest. Like if the morning spotlight could think of a perfect guest, it's probably you. I mean, we've had great guests, but you know, it might be you. So um, you weren't always involved in real estate. So what were you doing before this?
1: Yeah. So before real estate, I was in corporate for 15 years. So I worked, um, you know, I took the traditional path that society tells you to take, right? So you get an education, you get a good job out of college, you work hard. So you get a promotion every two years, um, even though the raise every year is like two or 3% and you kind of get used to it. Um, And then I did that for a while. Um, And then when I was, uh, when we had our daughter, um, six years back, um, you know, that kind of changed my perspective, right? Well, uh, I obviously say like uh, holding a crying baby in your hands kind of, you know, force you, force you to rethink things in life. And that's when I was like, wait, like I've worked so hard in my life. I did everything I was supposed to do, but I don't have a lot of wealth. Um, I don't, I'm not on a path where I can see that, you know that I could quit working before I'm 60. As you go higher up in corporate, the stresses are higher. Right. And because there's fewer spots that people are competing for. And, um, I just felt like, uh, I, where i uh, on paper, I'm achieving all these goals, but I was nowhere close to my vision that I was, that I was hoped, uh, I would be by that time. So that's why I kind of, uh, you know, switched into reader, really, like, I, things have got to change now.
0: <laughs> right. So, um, what were you like, what was like the actual job that you were doing in your
1: you know, prior life? So um, my last role was, I, I kind of jumped around. So I was in finance for a bit. Um, I did uh, strategy, product strategy for Comcast. So I, was, um, I led their internet product um, on the strategy side. So I used to, my goal was to figure out how do we maximize revenue, how do we increase um, subscribers um, and that sort of stuff.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So then obviously there's a very clear transition there. I'm being sarcastic uh, to real estate. So um, what was the impetus behind like moving from what you were doing? I mean, I know you just said it before, but like, why real estate? Why not something
1: else? So we actually tried a couple of different things. Before we got into real estate. So we're like, um, because there's so many uh, business ideas out there, right. There's the, Oh, you can sell on Amazon and you can do, you know, retail arbitrage and all that stuff. And we tried a few things and we tried something with art, like selling art. And, and we are like, wait, like this doesn't really, uh, I don't think it's going to go anywhere. And, we realized that both of us loved real estate. Like we used to, you know, watch, of course, all the shows on HGTV, but then all weekend, like any weekend we'd like go to open houses just because we love looking at houses. We're like, wait, like we could do something in real estate. And so um, that's when we thought that, okay, let's, we bought our first rental. Um, You know, before that we used to get all the money that we could get from our, um, either our bonuses or tax returns or whatever. And you just used to spend it on furniture and like, you know, different things to, to make us feel good. But then this one time we're like, all right, let's buy a house with this money. Yeah. Uh, and we bought a rental and that kind of changed our life. Right. So,
0: um, so like when your wife's, you said, well, got into real estate prior to you getting involved in real estate. So, um, so I'm assuming that as you were doing your corporate job, you were kind of like, you know, doing the, the real estate stuff on the side too, and starting to dabble in that. Right.
1: Absolutely. So we were both so even though she quit her job first, we were always working on it together. I used to do nights and weekends and every spare minute I could find even at work, I used to be like looking on Redfin on my app on my phone. So yes. Yes. Right. So um,
0: okay, so you you make your first purchase uh, of a rental property. Uh, What are the types of things that you invest in? Is it a lot of like Airbnb stuff? Is it you know, what is it?
1: So um, it was basically when we first started, it was just rent ready rental right so we just did a traditional long-term lease um, rental um, and we the first two or three projects that we did were basically that um, and we saw the power of of that right we we saw cash flow coming in every month in two or three years of properties that appreciated a lot and the debt was getting paid down and we're like wait this is pretty amazing we just got to do this a lot faster. <laughs> um, so we never really got into Airbnbs or, or any of these other strategies We're like, let's just double down on what works.
0: Right. Okay. So then I like right now, I mean, I know I said at the outset that it was, uh, a $5 million rental portfolio. So like how many units do you, do you uh, currently have underneath your, you know, open spaces capital?
1: Yeah. So we have about 50 plus units. Um, but we're always buying more. So we're under contract for a quadplex. Uh, we just got under contract for a 15 unit building. So we're always growing.
0: Right. And you're based in Philly, right? Or Philly area? Yes. Okay. So then where are your properties? Are they like in the Philly area? Are they in Jersey? Are they, you know, uh,
1: nationwide? They're in the most of them are in the Philly area. Um, And uh, yeah, and that's where we kind of started. We kind of keep moving though, because as Philly is Uh, you know, becoming more and more expensive and the prices are going up. We kind of change the neighborhoods that we invest in, but it's all pretty much in and around Philly.
0: Right. So, so you're basically, you're actually going to see like the properties and what about like property management? Is that still all under you or do you contract that stuff
1: out? No. So the way we kind of built the business is um, that we don't do anything. So um, I should have said, so we kind of transitioned from buying rent ready. Into value add investing. Okay. So, where we basically buy distressed properties, um, we rehab them, we rent them out, and then we refinance our money. Uh, The reason we did that is like we, you know, every time we bought a um, house, a rent ready house, we had to bring $30,000, $40,000 in down payment, if not more. And so we're like, wait, this, we can only do one or two of these a year. So, we, shifted to value at investing. Now we can do 10, 20 units a year pretty easily using the same cash. So it doesn't need a lot of capital because you're recycling that same cash. So now the way we've set it up is that we, we, have, uh, we, lo- we implemented a lot of the skills that we learned in corporate, right? The systems and processes and teams and things of that nature. And we, um, our business runs on autopilot now. So we don't go see any of our properties before we buy them. We don't go s- any for any of the rehab um, everything just gets done. And we literally work like a couple of hours a day for even growing the business. Right. And to your, to your other question, we, yes, we've outsourced the property management piece. So we outsource as much as we can. So
0: you're like the wizard of Oz, like you're the man behind the curtain and then every, you know, all like the munchkins kind of do your bidding, I guess. So, um, yeah, I think that's great. <laughs> um, but, uh, talk to me more about the, the value add, uh, investing strategy. Um, because I've heard people talk about that before, whether it's on the show or other podcasts or, you know, wherever else. Um, so that, Allows you to scale pretty fast, right? So, talk to us more about that.
1: Absolutely, and you know, one of the things when we first stumbled upon that, we were like, "Wait, we can't come up with 40,000 down payment every time." And when we did our first um, value at investing project, it was also called the BRR, uh strategy for some folks out there who listen to Bigger Pockets. It's um, the Burr acronym stands for buy, uh, rehab, rent, and refinance, and then repeat. So you kind of keep doing the same thing over and over again. Um, so um, that's what that's what we um, ended up, um, you know, picking as a strategy because uh, one it removes the capital constraint, and two you can you also need to bring one you need to bring less cash to the table every time you do a deal the way at least we figured out, uh, and two you recycle the same cash over and over 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 and over again, right? So you can uh, it remove once the capital constraint is gone you can grow as fast as you're able. Um, you know, as fast as you can find deals and as many contractors as you can hire, the fast, uh, you, can, you can, there's, sky's the limit, literally. Right. So okay. So then, um, and you also mentioned
0: before, like the systems and processes stuff from your corporate job, translating like into this real estate investing strategy. So, um, you know, like one of the things in like the the pre, you know, stuff that pre notes that you sent over to me was that like that corporate systems and processes like, role um, helped almost like supercharge it. So not only are you scaling fast because you have this value add investing strategy, but you also are like. Accelerating even more with the corporate, uh, you know, background. So talk yeah. talk more about that. Let's let's dive into that a little bit deeper.
1: Absolutely. So you know, one of the things that we saw when we first came into real estate were, was there's a lot of mom and pop investors, right, who have like a few rental properties, five or ten rental properties. Uh, one of the things that we noticed was that you know, because it was mom and pop, everybody was using traditional, like old school ways of running real estate, right. Um, and not really running it like a business. So there was a big opportunity where we said, all right, why don't we leverage a lot of the skills that we've learned in corporate? So for example, um, you know, strategizing about which market to invest in and why, uh, which kind of properties to buy um, and what you know, what does the property look like? What kind of condition is it? And like have really writing all that stuff down and coming up with a strategy of what your exit strategy is. Right. How do you build systems and processes and teams to be able to um, work on the things that's going to grow your business and outsource everything else? So in real estate, in my mind, there's two things that you can never outsource. Right? One is the deal analysis and second is finance. So I always tell people, master these two things because um, that's what's really, if you find a great deal, that's going to earn you tens of thousands of dollars in the next few years for every property. And if you learn finance, if you understand the numbers and how financing works, uh, that just changes the game. Um, so that was kind of the, the lens that we applied to this businesses. All right, let, let's like focus on scaling. Like our, our focus from the very beginning was let's scale this, scale this as fast as we can and get out of our own way and let the business grow.
0: Um, how do you, and now this is going back to an earlier question and I apologize, but I'm, you know, as you can tell, I I'm a little bit all over the place, but that's just kind of how the show runs, but we have some fun doing it. So how do you identify like the, the, the people that you're outsourcing to, um, how did you, was that like a, like a learning curve? Did you ever have bad experiences kind of outsourcing some of that stuff where you're like, or do you use pretty much like the same team for every one of your properties?
1: Yeah, no. We kind of learned it uh, the hard way, right? Because when we were starting out, we nobody was telling us what to do, and we didn't really learn from other people's experiences. Uh, but we kind of figured it out along the way. So we made a few mistakes, and um, you know, there's, uh, for example, um, property management company, right? Like we hired a property management company about three or four years back, um, and they we thought they were good because their property management fees was lower. But clearly, that's not the only criteria you should look at, uh, <laughs> yeah. because there's all these additional, um, you know, fees that they can charge and up, up charges and um, and you know, one of the biggest um, cash flow killers is vacancy, right? And we realized that they weren't even renting our house, or our units um, for like two months after a tenant moves out. Yeah. And so we're like, wait, that's too long. And so there's so many things that we're like, all right, now when we get our next property ma- property management company, we know what to ask them, right? Like, what is their what is their eviction rates? Like, how quickly can they rent stuff out? And so I think we we got smarter, not just for property management, but the other kind of team members as well.
0: Right. And speaking of team, if you ever need a good title rep, give me a buzz. I'll
1: definitely, now I know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's the the middle of the episode, shameless plug, just trying to make some, make some money and get involved in, uh, in what you got going on. So one of the things that you mentioned earlier, again, all over the place, but one of the things you also mentioned was like being able to find a good deal. So how does one, because I'm not a real estate investor. I mean, I work with a lot of real estate investors and real estate attorneys and all that kind of stuff, but yeah. how do you, how do you personally find a good deal?
1: Yeah. So, um, one of the, one of the mistakes that I see a lot of, uh, new investors making is that, um, you know, they look at, they start with the deal first, right? They're like, all right, here's the deal. Let me look at the numbers and see what makes sense. That's kind of the reverse way of doing it. So the way you should do it is start with the neighborhood first, right? Figure out where you're investing and why. Um, and once you know the neighborhood, then kind of say, all right, what kind of deal am I going to do? Um, because, uh, If there's hundred deals on MLS, um, you shouldn't be looking at all all hundred deals. Uh, You should have a very specific criteria of what we call an ideal property avatar. That's the term we use. So what's your ideal property avatar in that neighborhood? Because it could be different. And so once you, whether it's say a three bed, one bath, um, you know, in this sort of condition and whatever that looks like for you. Once you know that you will eliminate 80% of the noise that's out there, right? So all these other deals that are out there, they don't apply to you because they don't fit your strategy. They may be good deals for somebody else, but not for you. Right? So it's uh, because there's so many deals, you got to eliminate what doesn't work and then focus on the ones that, that does work because we all know the hot market that we are in right now deals fly, right? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. Deals are gone like in hours. Yeah. So if you're spending all your time looking at the wrong deals, you're going to lose the deals that are actually good.
0: Right. So I mean, I guess a good deal would look different for everybody, right? Because I feel like it might get, you know, difficult if, like, if I'm a real estate investor and let's just take, a three bed, one bath is like kind of like my wheelhouse and it's in a specific kind of neighborhood. But then I start seeing like other types of properties that might look like a good deal for me. Is that something that you would encourage or discourage because, you know, they they kind of out of my comfort zone. Um, but at the same time, maybe it's like kind of expanding my scope of, you know, what I could actually kind of get involved with.
1: Uh, it uh, It depends on where you are in your experience, right? So if you're just starting out, I would say follow the three S's, which is small, simple, and scalable, right? So you want to keep it small. You want to keep it as the project as simple as you can, because the larger the deal, the more the risks associated with it, right? Um, But you also want something that's scalable. So uh, find something that is repeatable in that neighborhood, right? If there's a very unique kind of property and, but you can get it for 10,000 lower, I don't care because that's not that's not repeatable for me. Right. And so, uh, but if you are farther along in your journey a bit and you say so you have three or four rentals under your belt and you kind of know what you're doing, uh, then maybe, you know, take one step out of your comfort zone. Don't go too far out, right, but right. like take one step at a time. So change one thing, right? So if you're changing the property avatar, then just change that, not the neighborhood. If you're changing the neighborhood, stick to a, you know, so just don't introduce too many changes at once because that can get a little confusing. Right, I gotcha. Okay, so then um, kind
0: of like jumping off of that, not jumping off of that, this is gonna be a different question, but uh, <laughs> yeah, right. I'm a very, I'm a pro as you can well, tell. Um, But um, so let's just take, Now I just lost my train of thought, but, uh, all right. So this is what I was going to say. So do you just invest in like that kind of stuff? Like, or do you also do some stuff with, um, like maybe like an LP and some other different investing type type things, or are you just involved with what you're doing?
1: I, we just do what, what we're doing. And there's a reason is that, uh, one of, this is again, like one of the things that I see a lot of investors doing, right. Whether, especially when they're starting off is, um, there's so many shiny objects in real estate, right. Yeah. There's so many ways to make money. There's like limited partnerships. There's of course you can invest in REITs if you want to be totally hands-off and you know, there's a burst strategy, uh, but you got to pick one thing and get really, really good at it. Uh, and that's why we say no to pretty much everything. So like, Airbnbs, right? They are like, nope, we're not going to do it. Maybe when we have, you know, had like a portfolio, then we're like, all right, now we're happy. Maybe we try something different. But what happens is that a lot of people try too many things and they grow one inch in 12 different directions rather than 12 inches in one direction, right? So cool. we wouldn't have been able to scale as much as we could if we, as much as we have, if we had just looked at three or four different strategies. So all we do is value at investing and that's it. Right.
0: I like that, that analogy growing an inch in 12 different directions rather than a foot in just one direction. That That's great. So like, what are some other common reasons why like f- new real estate investors don't scale quickly?
1: Yeah. Um, there's, I think I would say a couple of reasons. So one is not having a clearly defined strategy, right? So before you invest, like know what your strategy is <clears throat> and double down and learn it right So, the, once you, once you pick whatever your strategy is, say it's, um, wholesaling or say it's value at investing, figure out where your gaps are in your knowledge. And go learn it, like to ask somebody to teach you that. That's like, you don't need to reinvent the wheel, right? Somebody's already figured this out. So learn what, that, what those skills are um, and then implement it. Uh, the other thing I would say is um, sometimes people are very um, conservative with, like people don't take advantage of the leverage that real estate offers, right? People are like, hey, I don't want to like get so many loans because what if, you know, I can't pay them back. But one of the best, part, best parts about real estate is that a bank is gonna give you a loan to invest in real estate. They're not gonna give you a loan to invest in the stock market for a reason, right? And it's a collateral to back it up. and so. Uh, if the bank is willing to give you a loan, and you're not, and I'm, I'm not saying do zero money down investing strategies. Um, I don't do that. And if that's, if you do that, that's fine. But um, I would say if you're, if you're a little bit conservative, you don't have to do the zero money down. You can still have some skin in the game, and uh, you know, do it in a way where investors will, uh, banks and lenders are gonna love you because you're doing uh, responsible deals. Um, so don't be too conservative when it comes to leverage because that's one of the biggest uh, strengths of of real estate.
0: Right. So the, one of the things you mentioned in that answer was like learning as much as you can about, you know, what it is that you're going to do. So, um, I'm curious and just because like, you know, you're someone that I feel like has become an expert, just figuring it out on your own, but I'm sure that you educated yourself and your wife educated herself quite a bit at the outset. Um, so what were some things that you did to kind of like grow your knowledge of what you were going to get yourself into?
1: We, uh, we learned it from people, right? So we, uh, you know, we paid mentors. Um, we did, uh, when we were first starting out so five or six years back, there weren't a lot of that, uh, you know, investors who taught value at investing specific, like the holistic thing. Um, so we went to different people and were like, Hey, like teach me this and teach me that. And we paid money to, to learn that quick because we're like, to me, time is always more important than money. Right. Because I didn't want to wait 10 years to build my portfolio. I want to do it in two or three years. Um, and if I had, if I had to spend a few, some, some money to do that, that's totally fine. So, uh, but there's, look, there's so many free resources out there. There's bigger pockets. There's, you know, all these, you know, free resources that you can learn from There's podcasts. Uh, but if you're feeling stuck, find somebody for, you know, I always say, it's never about the how when you're stuck, it's never about the how it's about the, who. it's not about how can I do this, figure out who has already figured this out that I can ask and just, you know, do what they did. Right. So then, you know, as
0: you're going through this process, at what point do you guys decide that like, hey, we can be a source of knowledge for other people. So when did you get involved in like the coaching side of it?
1: Yeah, great question. So, you know, we, um, when we built, we started coaching about a couple of years back um, and it happened pretty organically because, uh, you know, when we had built a pretty big portfolio by then, um, people started reaching out and both of us had, uh, well, Palak had quit her job and I was just about to quit my job and people are like, hey, how are you guys doing this? Um, and, um, so we started teaching like that just organically because we're like, Hey, yeah, we would love to. I mean, I wish uh, it's, I want to shout from the rooftops that guys, if you're in a corporate job and if you're, if you hate your corporate job, there's a way that you can, there's alternatives, whether it's, you know, whether it's real estate or whatever you want to do, don't think that that's the only way that you can live. So, uh, that was our passion. We're like, look, let's spread the word that this is doable. Um, and, uh, that's how we sort of got into coaching. Right. Okay. So let's talk about like the
0: stuff that you actually teach, like the framework of how you help people go from, you know, being someone that's stuck in a carpet job that doesn't necessarily like it and getting to where, you know, they want to be and have like enough, I guess, passive income to get out of that nine to five.
1: Yeah, totally. So the first thing I always say is um, look, figure out, um, I'm a big believer in buy and hold real estate investing because that's the true way to generate wealth. So if you're in a corporate job, chances are that you're already making the income, right? So figure out, so focus on building the wealth side of things. So um, first thing you wanna do is figure out how many rentals you need. So um, you know, we, we have this spreadsheet that we can that, that I can share if that helps, but uh, basically you put in the numbers and it'll tell you, um, if you earn say hundred thousand dollars, these are the number of units that I need um, of real estate to be able to match my salary, right? And one thing that people often forget is that your cash flow is virtually tax-free because of depreciation. And so, uh, you know, it it doesn't take a lot of rentals to match the salary that you're making, which is taxed really, really high. So so first, just figure out how many rentals you need, right? Then you kind of say, all right, if I'm going to do the value-add investment strategy or the birth strategy, uh, where should I be investing? So in the program, you're like, all right, what's the right neighborhood for you to invest in? Uh, what kind of property should be you should be investing in? What does it look like? Um, what's the condition like? Um, you know, how you sh- how should you be buying it through um, MLS or through whole- wholesalers, off market deals? Then we go into okay, now that you have the property, how do you rehab it? What's the right amount to rehab? Um, is what's too more? What's too too much? What's too little? Um, how do you get it appraised um, at the amount that you're hoping? Uh, how do you rent it out um, in a way that you that it rents it up rents out pretty quickly? And then how do you refinance it? Right. So we spend a lot of time on deal analysis. Um, because you really got to know what deal is good. And we spend a lot of time on the finance side of things, because that's, if you master finance, that's the fastest to, uh, way to grow, in my opinion. So uh, we spend a lot of time on finance and how you can finance your deals. Um, and, uh, one big thing that we do is we teach you to do out-of-state investing, right? Because you not, you shouldn't be limited by, uh, where you live. So a lot of people that come to us live in either California or New York or an expensive place. And we're like, yeah, no worries. We'll help you build a team where you can invest out of state and grow quickly. Right. So that's interesting because I feel like, you know, maybe I I misheard
0: or whatever, but the majority of your initial business was, or your uh, properties were in your general area, even though you didn't necessarily like go see them yourself. Um, And I know that you're starting to expand. So like, how do you, how do you make that connection and, and take like people from other states and teach them how to invest out of state? Or is it like taking somebody from New York and teaching them how to invest in Philly because you're in Philly?
1: No, it's, uh, you know, we, we teach investing uh, all over the U.S. Uh, to invest all over the U.S. as well. Um, and that's because the systems and processes and teams that we've created, we don't need to be here, right? So a lot of times um, in, um, in winter, we go away to see our parents in India, right? We're there for like a couple of months. Last time you were there, we bought like seven properties, sight unseen. By the time we got back, construction was already started. We never go to any of our properties. Yeah. So that's what we help people do is to create that location freedom, right? So you can be wherever, all you need is boots in the ground and we help you build that, right? Like how do you get people who can be your eyes and ears so you can do that anywhere. Right. So what are some
0: things that you look at? Like, you know, are there some certain qualities that you look at? I know we talked about the people that you kind of get involved with, but if there's some certain things that like you personally look for when you're, you know, uh, trying to find these like different agents that can kind of like help you out, you know, outsource some of the stuff that you're doing.
1: Yeah. uh, Great question. So, um, you know, you want to, a lot of it is um, kind of knowing what kind of, so if you are doing value at investing strategy or if you're doing buy and hold, Uh, you got to figure out what team it is that you need um, in that location, right? Um, And then, um, you know, I could spend hours on like every person that, you know, what what kind of criteria you would ask every person. Um, But at a high level, you want, um, you know, people who are trustworthy. You want people who can uh, be, um, uh, you know, who don't have skin in the game in the sense that they can be unbiased in you know what they're helping you with um and you got to understand where an agent is coming from and what they're what they're looking to do where they are going to help you whereas what skills do you need to do right because a lot of people are like oh i'm just going to rely on my agent to send me deals and they're going to tell me which deal is good It doesn't work that way right you're going to be you're going to be the one telling them uh what deal is good and then they can send you because you lead the strategy and not them right um so you know it's about finding people but also kind of knowing what you're going to rely on them for versus what you're going to do.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned uh, a few times about like uh, the income versus the wealth and, um, you know, getting to like, uh, I guess, like, I mean, I don't know if this is the right term, but like a critical mass where you have like enough properties that you have the cash flow and then eventually turning that into wealth. So, like, how, how do you do that? Like, I mean, just because like I'm somebody that I have a corporate job and I have an income and, you know, I have savings and all that kind of stuff. But like, how do you kind of take that and get from just like a cash flow investing and all that to next level type stuff what, what yeah, you're talking about?
1: Totally. So, um, you know, the way, and we've done some numbers, right? So, uh, so when you do your five, what, five deals or so, you're, you kind of know what you're doing, right? You have a strategy and you kind of figured something out. When you get to about 10 properties is, or or 10 units, um, then you're like, all right. Um, You know, then you get economies of scale at that point because you'll get really good terms from lenders. You can pick and choose which vendors you want to work with and everyone's now you're a business. Uh, When you get to around 25 units, that's where you hit financial freedom in the sense that you can quit your job if you want, because it's not just the cash flow that's coming in. Your the debt is also being paid down. Your properties over time are appreciating. You can you can rebor them. You can always grow from now. You've figured out how to grow fast once you're at 25, right? And then once you get to 50, that's when you're like. All right. Um, now I don't need to work anymore. Either I can keep buying more properties or just pay off the ones that I have, right? So it the numbers seem pretty big when you think about them, but you just gotta you just gotta do it. Like you just gotta start doing it. You gotta start somewhere. Uh, it once you get past five and ten, it doesn't take that long to to scale more from there. Right. Cause
0: that's like what I would think. I mean, like when I look at it and I've talked to a lot of real estate investors, including yourself and you know, like there's always like that's that same, that common theme amongst, you know, everybody, like you got to hit like a certain number of properties, whatever that is that you're investing in. Um, but as like someone that doesn't invest in real estate, even though I would love to, um, you know, it it does seem a little bit daunting. Like I have to get to 25 properties to kind of get to that level. Like how long could that possibly take? Like, I don't, maybe I don't have that time or maybe like I'll never get there. Like those, some like those misconceptions, I guess, but like take us through how you get people to kind of get out of that mindset and just go
1: for it. That's fantastic question. I mean, I, I would, I think, um, One, there's a lot of limiting beliefs that come into play, right? People, people always tell us, Hey, that's not possible. That's not doable. We always think somebody else can do it because they either had access to more capital or they had some knowledge that I don't have. None of that is true. Right. People are like, Oh, I don't have the time. Um, and, um, what I tell people is look, there's always time. There's always time. Like when we, when we didn't have kids, we were like oh we don't have any time and we had two kids now we're like what are we thinking we all we had so much time in our head we just wasted watching Netflix yeah you know? and so um there's, there's always time to do it one thing that that the the light bulb for me was uh, when we had our daughter right and we, we had our first kid and I looked at her and I'm like I gotta do something and you have to have a very strong why right like what's your why like what are you gonna why are you gonna wake up every day go to your job and then come back and spend three hours on building your real estate portfolio. You have to have a very strong motivation. And for me, that was my kids for different people. It could be different things, but you got to find what your why is because without that, it's, it's hard to do that. And there'll be failures and we'd have multiple failures, right? Like things happen. The project doesn't go according to plan and all these happens in business, but you got to get through it because, um, if that, if that why is
0: strong enough. Right. Um, one of the other things that I, and I think that that, this is all kind of connecting and tying nice together towards the end of this episode was, um, like one of the things in the thing you sent over to me before was like, you're, we're talking about the coaching and we're talking about all that kind of stuff. Um, and one of the things that I noticed was that, uh, taking $25,000 and turning it into a multimillion dollar rental portfolio, um, I live in New Jersey. You're in Philly. Those are expensive areas to live, and not everybody has twenty five thousand dollars to just like kick off their real estate investing career. But they might be interested in getting at least started to kind of get themselves moving. It might take longer, but like, how do you deal with? Do you deal with people that like don't have that? Because you know, I'm sure there's a lot of listeners being young. I, I mentioned before, like there's a lot of people that are. 25 to 35 and still new or interested in real estate, probably don't have $25,000 in savings. Um, So how do you kind of break through that?
1: Great question. So, um, you know, I would say that, look, you got, you got to find the money. And the reason we said 25,000 is because that's how we started. Um, You don't have to have 25, right? There's many, so many ways to make money in real estate. If you don't have money, do wholesaling, right? Like you don't need to be, uh, you need to, you don't need to have money to be involved in wholesaling figure out a way that you can earn that income just to get that first twenty five k to then invest it in a long-term buy and hold, right? Um, or if you have a good paying job, save up. Like we, it took us like a year to save up um, to buy our first rental. And that's fine. You know, um, to me, uh, the, the problem is that the Dave Ramsey's of the world kind of say, you got to save, save, save and save. And that's it. Saving is not the end goal. Saving is just going to get you started. Investing is going to get you to where you need to be. Right. So do whatever you can to save, but then you have to invest that money. I think that's where people, most people kind of trip up. is like, all right, I have, I think I have the money, but I don't know where to invest. Well, there's, we learn it. You
0: can yeah. figure it out. Right. Awesome. Um, so, but we're gonna do one more question before we get into our closing segment, because I know we're getting towards the end of this um, episode. So I'm always interested to kind of hear like what goals people have, um, you know, on these types of episodes, especially dealing with real estate people, because I think that it kind of helps make more connections to our audience. Um, mm-hmm. So you have like the coaching side and you have the real estate investing side. So maybe it's like a couple goals. Let's just take like the next year. Like what are some things that you hope to accomplish in the next year with both of those?
1: Yeah, so um, for the next year, our goal is to double our portfolios. Our goal is to get to 100 units uh, in the next 12 to 18 months. Um, and so that's that's one big goal. Um the other one is um, you know, maybe start a new business. Now what's happened is that once you become an entrepreneur, you become you're like, wait, I I like this. And so we're we're start, the wheels start to turn and we're like, what else can what other entrepreneurship opportunities can can be, you know, can we do and what can we set up new businesses um or scale different businesses? So that's kind of we were always kind of thinking about those sort of things, but for now we're just focused on just growing a portfolio.
0: Right. Is there like anything in particular that you're interested in on the entrepreneurship side? Can you share Um, that or you want to keep it under wraps for now? Oh,
1: no, um, I I don't think it's, I don't think it's that, concrete. That's why I didn't want to share anything, but yeah, no, it's, it's more just like, all right, what about a brokerage, right? Like what about, uh, what about a mortgage, uh, brokerage? What about, you know, there's so many different things that you can do within the real estate industry that would kind of tie to what we're doing.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah. So it's going to still be like, probably in the real estate world, just, you know, maybe like a different, uh, part of the process, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I awesome. I love this. This has been such a great episode. All right. So I just got the thing that popped up on the screen that we got about two minutes left. So I always go over, not that much over. Don't worry. So, <laughs> um, all right. So we're going to get into our closing segment now, uh, which we call under the spotlight. So the morning spotlight listeners, the spotlighters, as I like to call them, have listened to Mike Ham and talk and needy Jamdar talk about, uh, real estate investing and everything that we talked about over the last 40 or so minutes. Um, so needy, you're going to go under the spotlight and what is one thing you want the spotlighters to walk away from this episode with?
1: The one, one thing I would say, um, is, you know, maybe I can share like a quick framework. If you're in corporate, if you're trying to quit your job, how to kind of do it. Um, so one is, you know, figure out where you want to be 10 or 15 years from now, right? Like do your vision first, don't do goals first. People get into a habit of doing goals and that doesn't like, you need to know where you're going and goals is just your metrics to make sure you're on the right path, right? So figure out what your vision is 10 or 15 years from now, whether it's time, freedom, um, financial independence, whatever. Then pick a real estate investing strategy. There's, I know there's so many out there. Pick one that works for you and stick to it. Right? Don't jump around um, and then learn it. Like Figure out what your go- gaps are in your knowledge. Go learn that. And then uh, finally, once you know all that stuff um, in, when it comes to taking action, obsess, don't dabble right? Like you got to get obsessed about it and do it. If you dabble around here and there, it's not going to grow very quickly. So I would say grow. If you want to grow fast, uh, obsess about it. Obsess, don't (laughs) dabble.
0: That is the the greatest takeaway that we could possibly get out of this. And I totally agree with it. I love it. So for the people that are listening, if they're interested in like learning more and maybe getting involved in that, that coaching stuff and and all that, um, where can the spotlighters find Needy and and your wife and open spaces capital.
1: Great. Um, So you can either find me on LinkedIn at Neeti Jamdar uh, or there's a, there's a Facebook group that we have. It's called real estate investing for busy professionals. It's a free Facebook group, real estate investing for busy professionals. You can search for it on Facebook um, and we do a lot of uh, free value add stuff there.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And I'll make sure that I put all those links in the show notes. So the spotlighters, you can go there and, and get all those, all those links. So if you want to connect and learn more from, from needy and all the great stuff they're doing over there. All right. So that is going to wrap up our show. I will make sure that I put all of my contact information, obviously, like always in the show notes, um, the morning at gmail.com is the email address. So you know, that and the morningspotlight.com is the website. So if you want to get in touch with the show, please do so needy. Thank you so much for coming on with us today. This was great. Um, hopefully I, I kept the good, good times rolling, uh, biz bros, then the morning spotlight. I think that that's, that's a great way to start your day for sure. Thank you so much, Mike. You've been amazing. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Of course. And everybody else, thanks for listening. And we'll catch you next time. tell you about Fat Brother Soap. You know, way back in the day, and I'm talking caveman days, humans used to bathe under roaring waterfalls under the clear blue sky. Now many of us are stuck in a tiny shower in an overcrowded city, and the guys over at Fat Brother Soap have had about enough. Carefully selected by the Fat Brother himself, these soaps contain all natural ingredients like sunflower, coconut, lemon, and more. Remember, it is never too late to leave boring, mediocre body washes that are filled with chemicals behind and get back in touch with your inner caveman. Go to fatbrothersoap.com to learn more and join the Fat Brother family. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Just a reminder that any views expressed in the morning spotlight are the views of the speaker and should not be construed to be the views of any other person, any employer, or any organization. Thank you. We'll see you next week.